Hello and welcome to the podcast. You're listening to Be Uncluttered. I'm Tara Tuttle and with me is Rebecca Mazzino and together we're going to help you on your journey to a life free of clutter. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Thanks for tuning in. This week we are talking about this little phenomenon that we see quite a bit in our industry and we discuss quite a bit with our clients, which is why is it so much easier to declutter for somebody else than to declutter yourself? Yeah, I think this comes up so frequently because a lot of people are really keen to get in and give it a go And then they hit all these roadblocks and think, oh, this is tough, but they're quite happy to help their parents or help their friends and find it so much easier when they're doing other people's. So we Mm. thought we'd tease some of these these things apart so that we can break it down for you and you can understand why it's so much easier to help other people than it is to help yourself. Yeah, because it does help to understand because sometimes you can feel like a bit of a failure. It's like, surely, you know, I find this so easy other times. Why can't I do it now? And then you kind of get down on yourself a little bit. So we just want to, you know, let you know that it's normal and and why it happens. Yeah, so I think to start with, we will talk about some of the reasons why we find it difficult to get rid of our own clutter. And there's bits of this kind of weave through a lot of our episodes um you know way back at the start we did some on aspirational clutter um sentimental items things like that so if you want more specifics on one area that you're having trouble decluttering maybe have a look through our past episodes in case there's an episode devoted to that one area um but we'll skim across a couple of things and i think those two are a really good place to start. I think one of the reasons we find it really hard to get rid of our own stuff is because we have those emotional and sentimental ties to things. Yeah, there's a, and that's the, the crux of the reasons why there is a difference between decluttering your stuff and someone else's and the reason is attachment and there is no attachment when it comes to other people's things and there is attachment when it comes to your things and the attachments are all all different. They have different they're different for different things and they're different for different people and there's a wide variety of those attachments but it comes down to attachment really yeah and I think when we're trying to get rid of our stuff or or declutter but we find something and we've got we're attached to it either sentimentally or it's one of those items that we think we might need it one day you know it's Mm. a just in case item we we'll try and justify it to ourselves and quite often we accept our own justifications like yeah we were we're very good at it (laughs) I do this when I go clothes shopping like I did on that that clothes episode we mentioned where I was I'd bought something which was not planned which was you you know but and I rattled off five Mm. reasons why it was okay that I bought that and Mm. I totally bought my own justification I was like yeah look I can list it here on paper but and I think that's the thing. When you're doing it on your own um, or doing it for yourself, you'll come up with some reason, justify it to yourself, and you think, yep, totally, I can I can definitely keep that. Hmm. And then there's the fear-based ones. So even when you don't buy your own reasons, your anxiety will still make you keep things. So you will still have possibly a fear. So even if you've gone, okay, look, I, yeah, I admit, in my mind, I, I know that I'm not going to use this or I'm probably not going to use this. I know that it's maybe it's broken or I know that it's just 
not going to help me by keeping this. You still have a physical fear or a physical anxiety reaction. And so when you have that because of the attachment, you you keep it. Uh, even when you know that you, you don't buy your own justification, it, you still have to keep it because of that that anxiety reaction. Yeah, and I think tied up in that that feeling or that sensation is a whole lot of stuff like um, the idea of unfinished business, something that you had plans for or hopes for, whether it be something that you aspired to be or use the product for or the item for, or if it was mm. something that you started and never got around to finishing. I think there's we carry this sense of unfinished business and none of us or very few of us like letting go of something that's not finished because it feels mm. like a sense of of failure or you have this feeling of lost sight mm. or, you know, lost time um, and you, you kind of you want to get back to it, you want to finish it off, but you know if you really thought about it objectively that was <laughs> that's not going to happen. But I think yeah. there can be so much wrapped up in, in an item and, and deciding to part with it. Yeah, and there's grief. Um, you know, there's there's either grief around the loss of some, a person or a time, or there's grief at the loss of loss of an opportunity of of not being able to possibly do that thing that you aspired to do. Uh, so there's there's that emotion as well that that pops up really frequently. And sometimes, before we even get to you know, making the hard decisions about our items, I feel that sometimes we just lack the willpower to even start. We, you know, we'll think, okay, it's, you know, I must declutter, it's time to get get stuck into that bookshelf or whatever it is that is our project. And the lack of willpower or the lack of discipline prevents us from starting. And then quite often we will just assign it to our future self to deal with. So, you know, when mm-hmm. we have more time or when I've got days off or, you know, I'm really I'm very busy right now so when I'm in the right headspace, then I will get to it. And I think so often that time rarely comes. You don't put it, people don't put decluttering in their calendar. They don't schedule things in and say, right, from three till four on Sunday afternoon, I'm going to declutter the bookshelf and then stick to it like it's, mm-hmm. you know, um, the train leaving the station, people think, oh, yeah, just can't face that now. I'll put that off because they just they don't want to deal with having to make the decisions when they get into it as well. So we mm. can be our own worst enemies. Yeah, we're good at that. <laughs> yeah. um, one thing I have found, and I'm sure you have as well with clients, is that during the process, once they, you know, actually get get into it, is that they get distracted And go, you know, they might find things, especially um, memorabilia uh, or objects from their past. And then they, you know, and this quite often happens with photo albums as well. They spend so much time going through things, reliving the memories, sorting through, Mm. you know, and kind of enjoy getting lost, you know, going back in time and reliving Mm. it all and forget to actually ask themselves the tough questions. Do I need this? Do I use this? Do I love this? Mm. They just kind of like the trip down memory lane and then the time is gone and they go, oh, well, I didn't get to parting with anything today. I'll come back next time. And quite often they go through the same thing again. Have you found that? Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Books are a good one. I, I don't know 
you know, there's some, I don't know many people who have not tried to declutter their books and they've actually ended up sitting there reading one that they have rediscovered <laughs> and then half an hour goes by and they're still sitting there reading their book and then they, they come up for air and go, oh, that's right, I was meant to be decluttering. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, it happens a lot. And some of it is is losing yourself in the memories but some of it is also sometimes an avoidance technique and you will, will I find a lot lot of time that when clients are feeling a bit anxious they will find a reason to divert themselves from the task simply because the task is difficult and that makes total sense i mean we are we instinctively like to remove ourselves from difficult situations so it's really really normal and really logical but that's something that we'll find that we can we can do as well and I remember one time I was um, working with a client in her wardrobe and she found something in there and she said, oh, I'll just, I'll just go and put this in its home. And she didn't come back and mm-hmm. and I went looking for her and I found her uh, watering the plants outside and I said to her, um, did you get distracted perhaps? And uh, she said, oh, oh yes, I, I must have. And then I said to her, you know, what are you feeling anxious about? And then she told me. And so it was, it was this, she'd, she'd removed herself from an anxious situation and then we will do that um, when we're declaring by ourselves quite a lot because it's uncomfortable and so we want to get away from it. Mm. And then when you, if you've made a decision to part with something, you can get stuck thinking about the right place for it to go and that I think there's a tinge of avoidance in that as well. People, you know, are ready to part with something and certainly I've had experience of this. I think I talked at some point about um, I had my mum's high school blazer and they used to wear berets. How cool. Um, in a, mm-hmm. Like country school in uh, regional South Australia. I had a blazer with her, you know, prefect badges and stuff on it, the school tie mm-hmm. and, the bla- and the beret. And I, you know, my mum had obviously held on to this for some time and then after she passed away, I, I carted it around for 15 years or so because I didn't really want it, had no memories for me, but I w- mm. would always get st- I would be happy to let it go, but I never knew where to let it go to. And I would always get to mm. that point. I'd be like, okay, it's in my bag to go. <laughs> I don't know where I'm sending it to. And I was not okay with putting it in the bin. And so until I figured out what the right place was, I couldn't, I kind of couldn't move forward with that. So as it turned out, I eventually rang the school and said, I have this, you know, blazer, blah, 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 from whatever year it was, you know, the late 60s, 60s, early 70s, something like that. And um, they were like, absolutely, we'd love it. We'll put put it on display in our front office because they had a collection oh, of of uniforms through the through the eras, and they didn't have one from that particular you know period. So they were like, this is brilliant. Leave all the badges on it. We want to know whose it was. Send any photos of her that you have while she was at school. So then you know the whole family went on a hunt to find photos. But as soon as I found a place that I was happy for it to go to, and I didn't feel like it was being lost or wasted then I was quite okay but I think sometimes that's almost like the last hurdle that we trip at we make Mm. the mental decision to let go and then we go okay now where is it going to and if you Mm. can't find a solution that you're at peace with then it ends up staying in your house so mm. yep yeah um sometimes we get in that loop of perceived value 
versus real value mm-hmm. as well. And we've done a whole episode on that. So if you are trying to discard things or let things go and you get stuck with how much you've paid for them and what you think they're worth, um, we've done an episode, go have a listen to that because we go into it in a lot more detail, but that can quite often trip us up as well um, when mm. we're decluttering on our own is thinking yeah. about what you paid for an item. Yeah, I think we it's called the true value of things, uh, mm-hmm. I think. And then quite often there's also the feeling of wastefulness or guilt about letting stuff go as well, and that is tied up in the value and perceived value as well. And even if it's something that you know, you know, you might not be attached to really where it ends up, but you just feel like throwing stuff out or just donating things to charities is you feel guilty about it because you didn't bring them in with intention and now they're just being um, mm. kind of tossed aside. That can be a, a hard thing, but it's something that we have to come to terms with because otherwise it just prevents us from letting go of anything. That's right. It's either that or keep everything and and try and survive amongst it all, which can be really tricky. Yeah. So I think then if we flip this over and think about why it's so much easier to help others um, get rid of their stuff, I guess, like we said right at the start, there's no personal attachment, there's no sentimentality, there's no ties to other people's things. So while they might be struggling through it when we are helping them or if we are doing it for them, it's so much easier because you don't have that emotional tug. Do you agree? Yeah, and that, it sort of provides a clarity that you can't get when it's your own things. You can look at it from out outside the lens that the person who is attached to the belongings is looking through it with. And so, yeah, it completely removes that. I mean, there's there's going to be some people for whom you have a shared attachment with belongings. So, you know, you know how that family that you've, that you've worked with, mm-hmm. with the mother and the daughter and how the mother would interject occasionally and say, no, oh, no, you have to keep that. Mm-hmm. Um, that that happens sometimes. Um, but and, and we're going to talk about that later, about there actually being a helpful person to declutter with and an unhelpful person to declutter with. And um, so if you've got an unhelpful person, which is what we're going to talk about later, then you might find some shared attachments. But if it's the right person, you, there'll be there'll be no um, no attachments there or, or a reduced attachment anyway. As well, I think when you're helping others or others are helping you, the person that's helping doesn't accept those flimsy justifications, the ones that mm. we are quite happy to <laughs> accept ourselves. When you and there's something I think about saying it out loud to someone else when you go, oh, but well, <laughs> I um. Uh, keeping this because and then people are like no that's <laughs> ludicrous like you know that's I don't know what you're trying to convince yourself but that's a ridiculous <laughs> idea and you're just like actually yeah now that I've said it out loud but in your head you could that seems totally plausible yeah. um, and having that just objective opinion can be really really valuable yeah that's right and you know you if you're helping somebody declutter and you are the objective person, they will still possibly argue back. But once they, like you said, once they say it out loud, they they do find the truth a lot easier. And oh, I, that's that's poorly worded. Not that they find the truth to be easy, but what they they discover the truth a lot more easily when they say it out loud. Mm. And because sometimes all it takes from the other person is a look like 
Are you honestly yeah. believing what you're saying? And then you're like, I've got oh. one of those. I've, yeah, yeah, I've got one of those looks. It's um, it's that it's that gentle, really face yep. that um sometimes the, the client will look and they just see my face and they're like, yeah, you're not buying this, are you? Yeah, <laughs> and I'm like, no, but keep talking, keep talking, keep giving me the reasons because we're going to keep discussing this until you make your decision properly instead of making the gut decision because I'm not going to tell you that it's a bad idea but if you just keep on talking you'll discover whether it's a good or a bad idea to keep that or not and um, eventually they they come to the conclusion yeah and I think half of the counseling industry is based on that entire idea that the the clients really do intrinsically know what is best they just have mm. to uncover it for themselves. And when you've come to your own conclusion, and sometimes it can be quick and sometimes it can be slow, that it is best to part with an item, you do so with a lot more grace and energy and, you know, yeah, positive confidence. feelings about it. But so I think for you to get to that point, from the point of, you know, making a wild justification at the start to the point of happily letting something go, Sometimes mm. having someone to lead you down that path is really valuable um, because yeah. on your own you might not connect the dots or, you know, you might not explore the idea enough to realise that it was pretty flimsy to start with. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes just just asking questions, you know, just having that, that, that the depth of it and the breadth of the, it all just explored in um, in questioning it just it's amazing how well that works to help clarify your thinking mm-hmm. as the the outsider or the the person helping I think like we talked about you know there's no attachment but also there's none of those same feelings of money invested in things as well money being lost um, mm. you don't have that you don't have those quite often you don't have those same feelings of of guilt or waste yeah. even though you might feel you know like oh, there's a lot of stuff being thrown out or there's stuff going to landfill or there's a whole lot of clothes here that you know are fast fashion that should have never been purchased in the first place there might be some of those feelings but you don't have that same um feeling of of loss or guilt over money spent so it's quite often quite easy to say no get rid of it get rid of it because the acquisition wasn't your responsibility in the first place Mm. and so you you don't have that that guilt and um it's yeah and I think that's there's nothing after the end sorry (laughs) I think that's why we um and we've mentioned this before when you are decluttering if you come up with a whole lot of items that you then pass to someone else because you can't bear to throw them out like toys and you pass a whole lot of kids' toys to another family or you pass a whole lot of clothes to your sister, for example, that because you can't bear with them being thrown away, it's that same point where um, because those people didn't acquire them intentionally, they will not care as much where they end up because Mm. it wasn't their investment initially. Um, and I think we talked about it maybe when we were discussing waste and value and things like that, that that sense of sunk costs um, mm. or money or time invested in yeah, acquiring an item, there. you can't pass that on to other people. That only comes when you when you mm. acquire it yourself. So um, I think as well when you're decluttering with someone else, it's much easier to stay on task because usually 
you have made time, if you've got a friend or a family member or someone helping you, you're together. There's a shared commitment. You've got a goal Mm. in mind. You kind of quite often can keep each other on track. So those little wanders down memory lane that we mentioned, I think they're less likely to occur or Mm. if they're shorter. Yeah, they don't they don't mm. because the other person won't have all the same memories as you. And so, you know, sometimes they get items get put to the side and the person might come back to it later, but quite often, yeah, it's easier to stay stay on task. Mm. And as if you're the person who is helping someone else declutter, it's easy for you to stay more on task than what you would if you were doing your own decluttering because you're not trying to avoid the situation because it's not as uncomfortable and so you tend to then be able to be the person who says you know no let's let's just get back on this let's not go off and do that let's just keep going here whereas if you were decluttering your own stuff at that point you would be right I need a cup of tea and you'd be out of there because you would be feeling uncomfortable so as the 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 helper and all of that emotion removed, you are much more able to stay on task because you don't have that urge to avoid the situation and you don't have the discomfort quite as much as what you would if it was your own stuff. And often people find it easier to motivate and inspire others than they do themselves as well. And oh, yeah. that can be because we we don't know all of the fears or the bad past experiences, you know, all the things that are preventing that person from from diving in quite often you know when you're an outsider you're motivated and you're keen you're goal oriented um, and you want to crack on and you want the best for the person so you will try and you know push them even if that is past a point of being comfortable for them because you can see the growth opportunity but when you're in that situation yourself sometimes you can't see see the growth past the the current discomfort yeah yeah Exactly, exactly. Hmm. So I think that kind of sums up roughly why it's easier to help others than ourselves. Is there anything you think we've missed? No, I don't think so. One thing I did want to talk about is, is that this particular area is an area that I think is underutilized in the support of people with clutter. And I know that that we have professionals like you and I who can help people to declutter. But I actually think that there is great potential in, I don't know if there's an industry for it or if there is a service for it or or how it would happen, but of some kind of peer support network for people who have really high levels of clutter because I think that there is a great amount of comfort that people take in having somebody come to their home and help them declutter who also lives in an incredibly cluttered environment. And there have been a couple, I sort of read a couple of of instances of this, and I know they experimented with it in the UK, of, of having people with hoarding disorder help another person with hoarding disorder. And those that don't understand the condition might say, well, they're not going to get anywhere. But those of us that do understand the condition, just for the reasons why we've described, that we've spent the last 20 minutes describing, is that actually they can be of great help and they can also be incredibly understanding and empathetic and non-judgmental. And so I, I really think that it's probably that peer support is probably an underexplored area of support for people 
with really high, highly cluttered environments. I think that sounds like a great idea. That's it's something that you probably it would be amazing to be able to tap into that resource when, like as a professional helping others because that is, you know, I guess we're trained and have practised, you know, great levels of empathy for people and understanding mm. their feelings. But um, being able to say, you know, I was here too and this. Yeah, you know, exactly. A lot of the people I've worked with, I have never been at that point, you know. Yeah. I've, what same. I felt uncomfortable with but that to them would seem, you know, like incredibly sparse. But for me, you know, mm. my threshold was different. So to say I've been in this exact position and you can come back from it or you can, you know, change mm. the way. Yeah. It, or it, we can come back from this together. We're both yeah. in this together. We have the same levels of stuff and we have the same attachment issues and, we, you know, we, we're the same and, and we can actually help each other with this. Um, I think there's great power in that. Uh, we just, I think we just need to harness it. But, you know, I, I probably maybe might do some research. If I find any article, I'll do a bit of research. If I find any articles, we'll put it online. But um, I do think there have been a couple of informal studies or there have been some informal experiments in it that have actually been been successful so far. So um, it's, I think it's worth investigating more too. Mm, and potentially um, people might get an insight into their own habits when they yeah, for sure. go through it with someone else. I know that um, I took one of my clients that oh, she she wouldn't have been classified as having hoarding disorder but she was highly cluttered and I took her to another person's space with their permission to show her what her house looked like, which was kind of odd. Ah. But it was... I she I, she was so attached to all of her objects she couldn't she wanted the couldn't space but it. she couldn't justify getting rid of any of anything and she had a lot of family pushback um against like or you know encouraging her to get rid of stuff and she was the one pushing back against mm. the family saying oh, I think it's fine and I took her to another house where there were similar levels of clutter but obviously she has no attachment to it all and she's like there is mm. so much stuff in this house I'm like this is the same as your house. But when mm. you see it, you see just objects of love and um, aspirational items, you know, things that you have mm. plans for. So you can't see the fact that it's unsafe or unhygienic or whatever. But when your family comes into that space, they have the same feeling that you have coming into this space and it transformed yeah. the way she looked at her stuff. That's awesome. I've never thought of doing that. That's such a, an interesting idea. It was difficult because you need another per- you need the yeah <laughs> another you need person the of the client other person. to agree. Yeah. So um, having someone that was very open to having you know person help with them and I it was a while ago, but uh, there must have been some incentive. <laughs> I don't know if I did it. I don't think I did it back for her, but I must have given her an incentive to open her mm. place up. Mm. So yeah, I think there's definitely room there for some level of community. Yeah, because it would be like like looking in a a mirror that mm-hmm. that showed the the real you, <laughs> like not not in the mirror that that you think you, the reflection you think you're seeing, but the actual real reflection. Oh, um, you know what? Really like the mirrors. Mm-hmm. I was going to say the mirrors that you get in some change rooms, which give you like yes. the three sixty view, and you're like, what? It, I don't like. 
I don't look like that from the back. Do I? Do I? Because I never look at my back when I look in the mirror. I only see the front half and I'm like, oh, dear, that's not yeah. what I expected because you just you don't ever see it. My bottoms are that wide. I know. Like that what? Thin? My jeans what? look like that from the back. What's that part on the back of my head? Where did that come from? <laughs> yeah. <sighs> yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a really interesting area. Yeah. It is. I'm thinking that I know that there are some people that are interested in this area and I think I might get somebody on to and interview them about it because I think we could, yeah, have a good chat about that. Mm, sounds good. So I guess the answer is what we're trying to tell you here is that if you're struggling doing it on your own, that is completely normal and completely understandable and um, is probably the case more often and than not that it's hard to declutter on your own. Absolutely. And so what we would suggest is decluttering with others but making sure they are the right others because there are people you can declutter with which are not the right the right ones For to be sure. doing it with. Yep, <laughs> we see that a lot. <laughs> and that's yeah, often why so- we're called in because the family find that they can't do it together. Yeah, so quite often you'll find if it's family, they might have a vested interest in you keeping some of your things um, or they've got memories attached to your things as well. So they might think, oh, no, you've, you know, hold on to that. I remember, you know, when you used that or that was a gift that you got for your wedding, you shouldn't part with that. The other Mm. thing uh, that can happen as well is, and I've seen this, family who, you know, there might be, I'm going to say a family heirloom, but it might not even be have much value, just something that, you know, has been in the family for some time or whatever. And that person, the 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 external person doesn't want to keep it themselves, but they think someone in the family should hold on to it. And they say, mm. oh, no, no, you should hold on to that. That was, you know, great grandma's uh, mm. china set. Yeah, but I don't like it. It's ugly. I never use it. I'm going to get rid of it. No, no, no. Well, here you take it. Oh, no, I don't want it. I just need someone should keep it. And, like, I've witnessed these discussions and it's like, and so what you're both saying is that no one wants it. No, no one wants it. But you both think someone should keep it. Yes. I'm like, that's (laughs) just not them. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's the the other situation that can happen, which is the reverse, where you have someone who keeps pushing somebody to throw everything away. And Mm -hmm. that can be quite distressing. And that then makes the person then push back on everything, even things that with gentle persuasion they may be happy to part with, but they've just got their wall up. And once they've got that 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 wall up, they find it very difficult to part with things that you know, they they probably could have if they weren't feeling like they've they're under pressure uh, somehow to make decisions that they may not want to make. And so you can get that that kind of dynamic happening as well. Or you might have a scenario where the person, the outsider that's trying to help, has something to gain by you letting Mm. go of things. So whether it's hand-me-down clothes, oh, you know, like. Yeah. That dress doesn't suit you at all. Here, I'll take it. That would look great on me. I'm just trying to think if I've, like I have tried to do with my daughter and a pair of her shoes that I would really like. I'm like, you don't see it, but barely worn them this winter. Are you ready to pass them on to me? Go on, declutter them to my wardrobe. Um, but 
Yeah, so you've got you might have scenarios where people are like, oh yeah, look, I'll help you get rid of that. I'll put it on eBay and sell it for three hundred dollars. You know, the, there's people out there that might be happy to help you declutter because they think they can gain something from it. So I guess you've got to just be careful who you choose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So who do you choose? We've got some criteria, I guess. Um, I know that I have a certain criteria that I tell clients, if you're going to have somebody come to help, um, this is this is the type of person that you want. Do you have a little criteria like that too, Tara? Not really because often by the by the time uh, people are contacting me, it's because they've, they've already uh, tried that. Yeah, tried a few yeah. things and have said, yeah. "Okay, we, it's time to get in someone external." Yeah. So, what do, what do you go through? What's your criteria if you're advising? Okay, so you don't want somebody who has been nagging you to let them help you. If it's a person that is really particularly tidy and organized, and loves tidying and organizing, and has often mentioned that they would be happy to help you deal with your home, I would be wary of those people, not because they don't have the skills but because I think that their agenda might be a little bit misplaced and that what they might end up doing is focusing on what they think it should look like and what they think it should be and not on what you would be comfortable with or what your goals are. So like you said, Tara, everyone's got different levels of like stuff tolerance and, and volume tolerance. And if you've got somebody who is really quite fanatical about tidying and organising, probably their stuff tolerance is going to be a lot lower than somebody who lives in a relatively cluttered environment. And that person who lives in the cluttered environment might not need it to get to the point that that other person wants it to. But that other person is going to be thinking that that's the point because that's where they would do it and they can't think why anyone would ever want it any more than that. And so you end up with a little bit of a, um, a mismatch in goals. And, so, and this, is, this is what we're trained to do, you know, as you should never, if you ever have a professional organiser that tells you how the space should look, then they're not the right person for the job. They need to be saying to you, how do you want this space to look and feel? What do you, how do you want it to function? Um, do you, what do you want to use this for? Instead of, okay, you're going to do this, you're going to do this, and you're going to do this, and what's all that there for? Let's just get rid of that. That's sort of the the not, yeah. not the right approach. If, if and someone so, comes in and says, I think this would look well, you know, would look good like this with this here and this here and that, da, da, da. that's an interior designer. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's not someone that is coming to help you create the yeah. space you want they're trying to create the space they want or they yeah. believe you should have and yeah that's not and even good interior designers wouldn't do that to you either they would they would um find out what your preferences you were would and hope stuff. yeah <laughs> yeah so if you if you're getting um either obviously you'd want if you're paying somebody you want them definitely to be professional and to be not doing that but if you're also getting a friend to come in you don't want them to be working to their agenda you want them to be working to your agenda and I say this to clients all the time I say if you ever get people in to help you in between our sessions you are the boss you have to be the boss they are not coming in and telling you what to do you are the boss of your stuff you make the decisions they simply guide you they're there to keep you on task they're there to let you talk through the emotions they're there um, for you to cry on their shoulder they're there to ask you questions and question your decision-making process and question your logic so that you can then question your own logic. That's what they're there for. So 
it's really important to make sure that it's somebody who understands you and understands the way that you work and understands your needs with regards to that particular process instead of someone who's working to their own agenda. Very good. And so, Beck, obviously you assist people both in their home and virtually with decluttering. How do you yeah. how do you go about this? Can you kind of sum it up for us? Like I guess it's sort of just what you what you said before. It's all about finding out what the client needs and working towards their agenda and using the skills that I have in um, negotiating, uh, questioning, focusing, staying on task, um, coming up with strategies. That's the, the sort of the thing that, that I do. And so it can be, I can be in the space or I can be outside the space and still do that. And so what people can get from me is that that guide, I guess, who asks all of the questions and uh, prompts you to ask yourself questions until you can figure out what path you're going to take and what decisions that you need to make to, to reach the goals. And I think that's why, if you've ever wondered why Beck and I call ourselves declutter coaches, or I will use the term life coach for hmm. Other aspects of my practice, but we are a qualified life coach. I can't use life coach because I'm not qualified. (laughs) But, 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 I mean, you could call yourself a professional organizer, but there Mm. is so much coaching. And I think that is why, you know, we're not just, we don't just use the term coach because we think it sounds cool. It's Mm. because it is about figuring out what that person wants, motivating them, inspiring them, leading them, helping them come up with the answers themselves to mm. help themselves and not just this once but to teach them to recognise, you know, that they've got the skills so that in two years, in five years, in 20 years they can keep doing this for themselves. Um, mm. You know, we're not doing it for them we are teaching them how to do it themselves. And I think this is um, one of the reasons I have scaled back my business and now only do it virtually is that I found a lot of the clients that I was helping really do have the skills to do it themselves. They just needed someone to help write them a plan, some them, someone to be accountable to, to keep yeah. them on track so that they didn't wander off. And someone mm. to kind of just bounce ideas off when they hit a roadblock and they go, right, I'm stuck. I'm ready to let this go, but I'm stuck with where to let it go to, to be able mm. to talk through that. And I found that by taking my business virtually, then I can help people wherever um, rather than kind of being bound by my location. So I've just done a declutter for a lady in Texas, mm. which is brilliant because, and she felt a bit vulnerable about letting someone into her space. So for her, a virtual declutter was great because yeah. she just walked around with her phone and showed me her zone that was cluttered and I wrote her a plan and then we've mapped out an accountability schedule and what she's going to do and how frequently. And then whenever she hits a tough point, she says, okay, now what about this? Cause I'm really stuck. I got a question the other day from her saying, okay, for reorganising this part, should I go bins or or bins mm. because I guess Americans call like what we would maybe call tubs, tubs. or plastic containers yeah. bins or baskets? And then so we worked through the pros and cons of bins versus baskets. 
um, together over email and then she's gone ahead and made her decisions. And that, like she has all the skills to do it herself. She mm. just needed someone objective to go, okay, hang on, why is that still there? Or, you know, why have you decided to keep that? Oh, yeah, no, that sounds like a fair enough justification. Okay, keep going. And, you know, how yeah. are you going this week and that kind of thing. And so because um, a lot of people have got the skills, they just need the motivation yeah. and a bit of a guide. I say that to clients a lot. I say, like, I can tell that you have the organising skills here. I can tell that you know how to do this. You, you can do sorting and categorising and you've got a good eye for storage and, uh, and and stuff like that. And And so quite often once I've started with them and it's either in person doing just what you described there with the plan um, or it's virtually with the plan. And sometimes I'll follow up with physical because there's some clients that just go, I just, I'm not going to do it unless you're here. And so that's, you know, that, that really does help them. But, you know, like you said, you can also do that virtually. And so, you know, I too have those virtual clients that, you know, I say to them, you, you can do this. Um, here is, here is the plan and this is what what you're going to do. And they do have the skills. It's just, sometimes it's the, it's confidence too. Like once mm-hmm. you tell them they've got the skills, they're like, really? <laughs> and I say, yeah. yes, because look what you've done here and look what you've done here and look at this. And they're like, oh, yeah, I do. Uh, and and so they do have it, but they just don't have the confidence to use it. And so we just need to help them build that back up again uh, as well. And a lot of it is having a plan. Like sometimes they just feel better just when I say to them, okay, do this, this, then this, and do it in this order and then do this, you know, and they're like, oh, my God, I feel better already <laughs> just yeah. from having that plan. Yeah. And and I think knowing that there is support as well so you don't feel like mm. you're you're on that journey on your own. And I think this is kind of what's reflected a little bit in our Facebook community is that it feels like we're all in yeah. this together, that yeah. we're not – you know, no one has the the perfect home or the perfect wardrobe or the, you know, whatever, no perfection that everyone is on their own journey when it comes to stuff and maintaining stuff or decluttering stuff, keeping stuff under control and that knowing that there's other people out there with the same ideas or same feelings and going through the same things is half the battle mm. and knowing that you've got someone in your corner that's kind of cheering you on to get through it is is pretty key too. Yeah, it really is. Thanks for joining us. If you've enjoyed listening, we'd love it if you'd leave a review or tell all of your friends about us so they too can be uncluttered. If you would like to connect with us, you can find us at beuncluttered.com.au or via Facebook and Instagram or on our own websites at clearspace.net.au and basklifecoaching.com.